Well, the first thing we knew about it was when that young woman went missing. Terrible business. Of course, we all thought it was Marsh Barry who'd got her because he was always up to his old tricks in those days. He used to come out of the marsh every few months to feed. And what did he care if it ruined the summer season? He never worked a day in his life after his father had that accident at the ironworks. What's a family like that going to do with two million pounds, I ask you now? You could tell it was all going downhill from the moment the cheque cleared. Because one minute you've got a family of marsh people eating berries and knitting their own clothes. And the next they're off to Claridge's for afternoon tea with Larry Vaughan, who was the Deputy Prime Minister at the time. And of course, he was always getting into trouble with the gambling, wasn't he? But I don't want to say too much about that. Then one day, that boy from the university arrived and started telling everyone there was a shark in the water. Well, have you ever heard anything so ridiculous in all of your life? A shark? We hadn't had a shark in these waters for maybe well, six months before then, and here we are closing the beaches and making an awful fuss over something that only happens, what, 20 or 30 times a year? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. A lot of fuss of nonsense about nothing, if you ask me. But of course they didn't. How many feathers are there on a thrush's throat, you say? Well, at the last count, I think it was 333,333. But I may have misremembered that, so don't put it in a scientific journal until I've had it verified or the scientists will be up in arms. And I don't have time for all that fuss again. And then the next thing you know, Chief Brodie is going out on a boat with the university boy and Robert Shaw was there. You remember him from Henry VIII, of course. He put that man in prison, didn't he? Because they had an argument. Silly. Silly behaviour from everyone there, unfortunately. Then before you knew what was what, they chopped his head off. All for an argument that could have easily been solved if someone would have said sorry. By Jingo. I was on the top of a big pyramid of water skiers by that point and I could hear someone in the crowd screaming about a shark but I didn't really pay any attention because I was concentrating so much on my balance. One wrong move and the whole pyramid falls over and even though I was on the top I didn't want to fall in the water because believe it or not I couldn't even swim in those days. But they said I couldn't have armbands because they weren't aerodynamic which all sounds very suspicious to me but they knew what they were doing so I just kept quiet about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well you'll never believe it but they found the shark. It was in that big lake up near the Roman camp. Old Dot Burton used to go windsurfing on that lake and she never let anyone go fishing in it, so how the shark got in there, I'll never know. It was in all the papers at the time. You probably read it about it yourself. It was in the Globe for one. I remember the headline particularly because I used to work for that newspaper. Big shark found in big lake. It was, I might have written that one myself, come to think of it. That was back before they'd stopped us having our air cut. And I remember saying to Gavin that they needed to be careful, otherwise they'd end up writing the paper themselves if they got rid of everyone, but of course they didn't listen. And then someone blew up the shark because it had a big bomb in its mouth. Although how it got there, I'll never know. And Chief Brodie was banging on about the power line, wasn't he? And it was an awful mess. But they put an end to it, which was good for the summer season.
Then we had all that fuss when Barrington Boyce wanted to open his dinosaur park. Of course, you didn't need a licence to own dinosaurs back then, not like you do these days, so he just went ahead and opened it. And everyone wanted to go and see the dinosaurs because, well, we didn't have dinosaurs back then like they have them everywhere now. We were all there on the first day, the whole town. Bill Brewer, Jean Stewart, Peter Kearney, Peter Davy, Daniel Whidden, Harry Hawke. Even old Tom Cobbley came down out of the lighthouse for the day, hoping to see an iguanodon or that other one with the long neck. Boyce had set up a little train that you sat on and it went all the way through the jungle and you were supposed to see the dinosaurs, but I didn't see a single one of them. I remember I went with young Henry Blogg and I asked him, can you see the dinosaurs, Henry? And he said he couldn't. So when we got to the end, we asked for our money back. It was only £50,000 to get in, but that was a lot of money in those days. I was Director General of the BBC at the time and £50,000 was almost a week's wages for me, but... When we asked for our money back, they said we couldn't have it. So when I heard someone say that they'd seen a triceratops, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Knowing old boys, he probably kept it hidden behind a bush or something and only let the rich ladies and gentlemen see it. Well, I wouldn't put it past him. If there were ever there was a few shillings to be made, you could guarantee Boyce would be there doing a fiddle on something. He was the first person ever to put a magnet on an electricity meter, you know. He invented that. Never paid an honest bill in his life, that man. Oh, then, of course, the next thing you know, one of the big dinosaurs, I can't remember which one it was, but one of the ones with all the sharp teeth, it started running about and eating people, and it, it ate the lawyer, didn't it? Or was he the accountant? No, I can never remember. And then they were stuck in the car, weren't they? In all the mud. And I said to Michael Finnegan that they probably wouldn't be allowed to have people getting eaten in the dinosaur park, otherwise people would stop going. They'd just go to the other dinosaur park that we had in the village at the time, the one with all the sauropods, and Ziplodocus and Brachiosaurus, the, the one with the thumbs. They're not as exciting as those other ones because all they do is eat grass, but at least you won't get bitten in half when you're on the toilet. Who really wants that when you only went in there for a few minutes' peace to read the newspaper? The Barrington boys kept making more bits to add on to his dinosaur park, pushing all these new types in there. And then what do you know, but those ones got out too and started flying about and picking people up and taking them back to the nest probably hidden behind their large eggs so the police couldn't find them. No. It got so bad for dinosaurs round here that they had to put up one of those red signs with a picture of one of them in the middle. That did the trick for a few weeks, but the problem with dinosaurs is that they can't read, can they? So when they saw the signs, they simply ignored them and carried on rampaging about. And in the end, they had to just get an helicopter and fly away from the island and hope that the dinosaurs just got on with things, free from the interference of human beings. I don't know what happened about the flying ones, because they could have just flown away to a new place if they ran out of gooseberries on the island. But nobody wanted to talk about that at the time, did they? No. They just wanted to ignore the problem and hope it went away. That was typical of boys. 
He was the mayor of the village back then, although I never met anyone who voted for him, and I certainly didn't. I voted for Mr Chesney, who was the Liberal candidate, but he was too softly spoken for a lot of people round here. You need someone with a bit of personality in politics, don't you? Someone who can get a crowd going and make them forget about the stegosaurus eating the flowers on the roundabout. Barrington Boyce had a face like a butcher who'd sold all his meat by 11.30 in the morning, and that's what people want in the town hall, I suppose. In the end, they had to close that dinosaur park down because of the dung. Dinosaurs make so much dung, you see, because they're always eating lawyers and accountants and the bad scientists who invented them in the first place. The dung was so bad, there was a cloud of flies two miles long and aeroplanes kept getting lost and landing in the wrong airports. I was supposed to be going to Burma, but I ended up in Denmark. That's how bad it was. And I never got the money back because they said it wasn't their fault, it was the flies. And if I wanted to get my money back, I should talk to the flies. But of course, I didn't want to do that because it would take too much time wouldn't it making sure you had the right ones finding their address getting all the right paperwork out to them making sure they knew where the central criminal court was i'd left the bbc by that time i was working as an, an assistant in the bakery so i i just didn't have the time so eventually i just forgot about it i used to put the hundreds and thousands on the buns then Marsh Barry got himself a new car with all the money from the ironworks accident, didn't he? And anyway, he was driving home from the garden centre one day and a big lorry started chasing him. And whenever he stuck his arm out the window to try and wave it past, the lorry just came right up behind him and honked his horn. In the end, he had to pull into a lay-by and the lorry just drove past. That was a bit of luck, because if he hadn't spotted that lay-by there, there could have been a nasty accident, because that road is right on the edge of a tall cliff, and you don't want someone driving off the edge of it, do you? Excuse me. And all the while, we've got a shark in old Doc Burton's lake, and any time anyone's going for a swim or using the Thanksgiving roast to try to catch the shark, the whole jetty gets pulled into the water, and the man nearly gets eaten doesn't he? But he swims to the edge just in time. So that was a relief. Although they never got the roast back, did they? So I wonder what that man's wife had to say when they got back without the $3,000 roast. Mm, I wouldn't imagine she was pleased at any rate. Or was there something else about the dinosaurs? They got into a big boat and went to the city and then went up the side of a big building and the aeroplanes came flying along. What was that of the pictures? Because, of course, I, I used to go to the Regal Cinema quite a lot in the 1950s to see all the films because it was a nightclub back then, not a cinema, you see. And you could get in for about £17.50, not like it is today where you have to pay £18. And they don't even give you free popcorn anymore, do they? You have to pay for the popcorn and the drinks and the sweets and there's no adverts to enjoy. Not like in the old days when there was about 20 minutes of adverts for banks and washing powder. Sometimes I used to just go for the adverts and then walk out when the film started. You could do that for free back then, you know. You paid to see the adverts. I think it was about £15, and then if you walked out when the film started, you'd pay another £2.50, but it wasn't as much as if you went over the road to buy 
to, to, to buy diamonds from the jewellery shop because diamonds were very cheap back then because there weren't very many of them about. It's only now when you can't walk into a shop without seeing diamonds all over the place that they cost so much money. So that's that's what I, I used to do. Was that was that it? Was that what happened? No, oh, I, I forget now. Because it was such a long time ago, what was that? My memory's not what it used to be, you know. <laughs>